You're listening to Creative Capes by Future London Academy. Honest conversations with designers, entrepreneurs and innovators. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello, dear futurist, design leaders and creative thinkers from around the world. I'm Ekaterina from Future London Academy and today I'm joined by Ariel Ross, executive producer at Asana, one of the leading project management tools. And our conversation today is all about project management. I'm so happy that we had a chance to discuss some of the most difficult parts of running a creative project, including how to avoid scope creep, manage time, communicate with the clients effectively, and hit the deadlines without compromising creativity. A little bit more about Ariel, she has over 15 years of experience developing processes for creative agencies and in-house teams, making projects run smoothly and keeping teams happy. Before joining Asana, she scaled creative operations for Apple, Airbnb, Instagram and Marriott International. Basically, she's a real pro of all things project management. This chat is full of practical nuggets from Ariel and I hope you'll enjoy learning from her wisdom too. And if you want to see our faces, check out the video version of this interview on our YouTube channel at Future London Academy. Enjoy! Hello, hello, how are you doing? Good. Hello and welcome, uh, Future London Academy. Love to be with this audience. It looks like folks are still streaming in. Yes, uh, definitely. There will be many, many people joining. I know this is the topic that is very important and painful. So before we start, I have 10 rapid fire questions for you. Uh, Are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Who did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I I know that's kind of pretty common, but as soon as I realized that surgery was involved in that, I think that that dream became a little bit more out of sight. But you have cats now, so I suppose you you go part (laughs) of your dream, uh, a reality. First thing you do when you start your work day? First thing uh, every single day is that I have time that is set out. So it's blocked out so I can really go through what it is my intent of the day is. So setting aside what is the goal for today and what are my priorities. So that way, folks that work with me, they know that I'm not reachable for the first 30 minutes to an hour. Um, But yeah, first thing is really prioritization of the day. So then I can go into the day and be very hyper-focused on what it is that I'm going to accomplish. Love it. Describe yourself in three words. Oh boy. Um, Friendly, (laughs) um, instinctual, and collaborative. So I think a lot of things when it comes with project managers is that uh, having good instincts and being able to address an associate, uh, a, a situation at a high level, but also know all the details is really important. So I think I've identified that. Good, good three words, love it. What is one thing that annoys you the most? I would say email and uh, distractions. So um, when I get into an email chain and there's 20,000 things and I'm trying to figure out what the status is, who's who, where the attachments are, um, that that's pretty frustrating. That's, that's not um, super fun. I can relate. I can relate. Uh, <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, mac, and, mac and cheese. Macaroni and cheese, 100%. That just hits the spot and I can honestly eat it at any point. Your mm-hmm. favorite book? 
Favorite book? Um, I guess this is, I'll do fiction and nonfiction. So with nonfiction, um, I would say, I can't think of the name, it's Michael Lewis, um, but it's about, now I'm on the spot and can't handle myself, but <sighs> that's one of them. Michael Lewis, all of his books are fantastic. And then I would say- This is one about tennis. Um, it's the one with analytics and how to change your business and things like that. So um, cool. I'll look it up. I'll send a note afterwards. But I would say fiction would be House of Leaves, which is um, a really unique book. Uh, the structure is not like anything else I've seen before. I'd highly recommend that. Oh, love it. Oh, lots of books for me to put on the yes, reading list. Yes, Moneyball. Jane. Oh, Moneyball. That's exactly yes. what I was looking for. Oh, good. Um, best piece of advice you've ever received? I think it's... Um, the difference between a, a criticism and uh, and a complaint. So what's the difference between a complaint and a critique is really providing a solution. So if you go to the table and just have identified a problem, that's not really helping. That's just pointing at the issue. But if you go to the table and have a critique where you provide a solution, here's the, the challenge and here's how we solve it. I feel like that is a really big distinction between the two. Love it. Professional achievement you're the most proud of. Um, I think back in 2008, uh, I received, I, back in the day, I was a photographer and uh, I was selected as a leading photographer by Xander Rhodes for the um, Museum of Fashion and Textiles in London. So there was a four month show on masculine style and um, men's photography. And uh, that was a really neat point uh, and accolade in my career. Wow, oh, that's like a completely separate life that you had before all this project management journey. Okay, I have the last question for you. What is the best part about working in project management or production? Yeah, I think it's just seeing everything end to end. So you're involved in the entire journey and you can really see how things are grown and how they develop and what the result is. So I think in different parts of creative, you might see a slice of that where you'll just see one part of the production phase. But really when you're managing end to end, you get that visibility and inclusivity to really see how everything comes together. And um, that's the part that I really enjoy. Well done. You passed all our <laughs> rapid fire questions. We can calm down now and answer all the questions that people send us because trust me, people have lots of questions about project management, especially uh, when you talk about creative projects. So let's start with the first question from Andres Koka. What actually, because we talk about project management for creatives, but what are the differences in terms of project management in a creative field, in a creative team or company compared to more traditional project management? I would say the difference with creative project management versus any other type of uh, more generic project management is that with creative, there's so many qualitative factors that are at play. So um, it's not cut and dry where uh, this paper, this white paper has to be produced by X date and delivered. When you have all these subjective criteria and different stakeholders that may have different um, perspectives or intents, uh, I think that's holistically a challenge, but it's even more so amplified when it comes to creative. So um, I think a big part of being successful in creative project management is really kind of distilling all the noise and those qualitative efforts and see how can you make that more quantitative and how can you really define a yes or no so we're not um, in this swirl of uh, subjectivity. So yeah, I would say the, the trickiest part is that there's more subjectivity and qualitative uh, inputs, but holistically, I think there are, there are ways to solve that. 
I can definitely relate to the fact that creativity is very difficult to put numbers on. And I think, yes, the, main, the more tools you have to, to connect uh, something that is so qualitative to something very quantifiable, I think that that's definitely one of the key aspects of successful project management. Talking about creative project management, what are the biggest mistakes that you see um, teams or companies do when it comes to managing creative projects. Uh, where, where do, how much time do we have? We're here for an hour. Um, number number yeah. one, the key one yeah. that if they fix, like yes. everyone's life would be so much easier. I'd say number one, four and foremost, would be communication. So this really comes down to setting expectations within your team and within your org and your department and your company and external partners and clients. Just what are the terms of engagement? So how, uh, what are the expectations? What are the channels that you're using? What are the cadences? Um, I think if, there, if it's just not addressed and uh, folks have misalignments with what's going to happen when or who's responsible for what, um, that just deteriorates everything. And uh, a huge component of any kind of project is trust. So just have, building trust and uh, with the folks that you're working with and uh, internally, externally, all the time. Um, and I think that is really, really reinforced when you have a solid communication plan and an understanding of an agreement of how to engage with each other. I totally agree with you. And trust me, I've been in many situations where we work with an agency and there you send a request or you ask them a question and silence on the other end. And you think, are they dead? Did something happen? Did they drop our project? Hello, who's here? So it's, um, I, I would so agree that communication is something that everyone can improve on but specifically when we talk about managing creative projects it's uh, seriously like if every agency would just raise their communication level to normal uh, <laughs> the business will grow the clients will come back and half of the problems would be solved uh, so I'm glad you brought it up I think the big piece too is when it comes to fostering those relationships and essentially with every project, you want to build more projects with those clients. So if you have good communication, when I think of teams and groups that I've hired, I think back and it's like, who do I want to work with? Like who was very pleasant and easy and um, hit the expectations? So I think a big way that you accomplish that is by having really solid communication uh, with your partners because that leads to better relationships and more business oh totally agree and i feel like all designers uh know about human centricity and user centricity and how their products should be so easy to use and so easy to understand but when it comes to relationships whether within the company or with clients and partners that process is very different and uh, from my personal example we had a freelancer who would send us um, box of chocolates every Christmas and guess who did we work with the most uh, first of all because he was uh, at top of our mind every time because he would um, yeah he would remember our holidays and celebrations and he was just a nice person so yeah people love working with nice people surprise um, so let's dive deeper into the the whole project management because I feel like there are trillions of questions and th this is the reason why we created the course with you because I feel like all of them cannot be answered in one hour, but we'll try to get as much use of the time together that we have. And there are lots of questions about um, scoping. So the first stage of any creative process when the brief came in, everyone is excited, uh, there is potential new projects coming in. And I suppose um, the, the first thing that is 
like very difficult is obviously how do you even start estimating time and money um especially if it's not clarified yet so maybe it's an innovative product or project so there is no template you can use and that will take that much time and they'll take that much money so it's something that is new that is creative so how do you estimate how long will it take and how much will it cost yeah i think a big part of that is um doing discovery so whether that's with internal or external folks finding out any kind of inputs that you can so depending on the type of project um there are to your point there are projects where it can be templatized and it's like okay this is our go-to for this type of thing or whatnot but for these um a project that just doesn't fit any kind of mold it's really important to go to different stakeholders so going to uh the tech or the developers and saying okay how long would this take for engineer hours to do this type of thing and um, going to media planning and saying what would your recommendation be at a very high level knowing these inputs and going to the client and also saying um, are there any hard deadlines or any timing considerations that we need to um, be mindful of in coming up with this so I think once you go through and kind of do all this discovery and come up with um, as many of the, the facts and constraints that you have then you're able to really map that against headcount which equates to cost. So understanding what uh, the structure of the project's going to be, what the phases of production are, and who needs to be staffed at each of those stages. So um, I would always recommend to, this is all in hypothetical land. So thinking, you know, ideally we would need three designers, one design lead, et cetera. Um, so coming up with what those things look like and then mapping it to headcount, which would be uh, the cost. So you really, you'll land at um, what a proposed timeline and a proposed cost budget scope could be um, just by getting all those variables. And when you get all this information, because I, I can imagine there is a lot that you need to ask from the client, from your internal team to understand, uh, as you said, how technically complex it is. So you get a bit of a, an understanding, even though it might not be precise, but still at least some sort of estimate how how difficult this project is. What if you can't get all the information from the clients? Do you have any good um, pieces of advice when like you need to get these important things uh, from your stakeholders or the clients and you're just not getting it? So you don't know how to scope anything. Yeah, I would say um, two approaches would either be number one with communication. So saying, hey, I don't have what I need to get this estimate done. So if you're just silently struggling, that's really not going to solve anything. So going, if folks are not responsive, finding a different means to connect with them. Um, if you're in the office, swing by their desk, if they're not responsive when it comes to the client, because they really want the estimate, you know, they're coming to you for uh, an ask. So they should have the intent to be able to provide you the information that you need. So um, following up with them. And so I would say step one is really communication and um, making sure that you are being uh, saying what the trade-offs are. So if I don't have this information by this date, then I won't be able to get you an estimate until this date. They're like, all right, by Friday, end of day, we should get something from you and you don't have your inputs. Just be very vocal and saying what you need. Um, the alternative is to just come up with something that is fully hypothetical. So based on your life experience and program experience, you could come up with something that is 
salient. It's it's within the realm of possibility. But again, just communicating that piece and saying um, this is an estimate based on the information provided, but it's subject to change because we're missing like these uh, inputs to really dial it in. And you actually mentioned a really good point about communication, and we keep coming back to the to the very important part. What is there a best way to kick off projects to make sure that all these communication things are nailed and there is no miscommunication and kind of one email went one way, someone wasn't CC'd in and someone has been agreed on a WhatsApp and what's the best way to kick off meeting to get this information and make sure that the brief that you put together and the estimate that you put together actually is something that all the people in the room want? Yeah, I think a big part of that is creating a communication plan. So really um, addressing with everyone that you're going to be chatting with and working with what the established means of communication are. So if there is something urgent, what is the method of communication and what is the cadence that you do this and what qualifies something as being urgent? Or if there's a quick question, um, is that going to be through a chat channel like Slack or DMs or is that something that uh, should be text? So just figuring out what is the best working method to work with a client and, um, and establish what are the do's and don'ts within that as well. So um, it, let's say um, someone's on uh, WeChat and I'm in the States and I can't access that tool. That's not going to be uh, an effective way to work with a client. So saying, okay, these channels we cannot communicate through. These are the approved channels and this is what the expectations are. Um, so you'll get a status update at the end of each day through Slack on email, we'll send over any um, documents that need to be reviewed or any kind of files that need review and things like that. So when there's an established communication plan, that really creates the, a really good framework for um, being able to have the right expectations and really keep things moving smoothly. Ah, smoothly. That makes sense. And definitely a good point on communication channels. I feel like dealing with different cultures, um, I work a lot with Russia and Russia loves messengers, whether it is a Facebook messenger, whether it's WhatsApp or Telegram. And in the UK, not that many people use messengers, especially for work related purposes. So everything is on email or Slack if, if it has to be. And uh, I feel like when the two cultures clash, then if there hasn't been communicated up front that, hey, please don't send me important information over WhatsApp because I can't CC people in and they'll definitely miss it. That's something that becomes a bigger problem later when things kind of start creeping in from different places and kind of discussion happens too late about stop doing this, stop messaging me um, when everyone is already annoyed on both sides. And talking about um, kind of uh, kicking off, like what what are the things that you can do in a, in the initial meeting? Do you prefer doing it from your personal experience over the phone? So like get clients on the phone and all the stakeholders, do you prefer doing it in the room? Uh, or like are there any best practices around like how to get everyone's input uh, before you start the project? Yeah, so I would say um, this is assumed that we've been awarded the business and we're moving forward. Um, contracts are, are moving along and things like that. So um, I would recommend having a meeting either in person or over video conference Zoom, something like that, because it really um, puts everyone in the same place and you can get, you can read the room and see, kind of gauge what the feedback is in addition to what is said or unsaid. So um, I think it's really important if you say, okay, well, we're 
we're not going to be using WhatsApp, we're going to be using Slack. And then you see like a grimace from someone, you can be like, oh, sorry, is there something wrong with Slack? Can we dive into that a little bit more? So I think you just get, um, when you interface directly with folks, you just get um, more honesty and really just that real-time feedback that you need to set up a good plan. So um, with any kind of kickoff, it's really important to be in person as much as possible or video conference, whatever it is, um, the means to be able to see folks. Um, and then also having a really strong agenda. So understanding what's the intent of this meeting, what are we going to cover, what are we not going to cover, and what are the what is the outcome, what's the goal? So how do we know this has been a successful kickoff? So understanding if it's going to be going over the schedule and getting approval, that could be part of it. Um, if it's going to be next steps where you have to do customer uh, interviews and who should you be put in contact with to get that done. It's just understanding, uh, having a really clear outline. This is the objective of the meeting. These are the steps and these are the outcomes. Um, I love how you talk about kind of very structural and systematic approach. Um, and I would love to talk a little bit more about the qualities that a project manager or producer needs to have to be successful at that job. Uh, you work with many, you hired many. Do you see any similarities if, if someone is hiring a project manager or want to be a program manager or project manager? What are these, I would suppose, three key qualities that that person needs? Yeah, I would say the industry's changed a lot um, since when I started, because back in the day, you would have to need a, a PMP degree, and then you would be using Microsoft Project, with, and there'd be an assigned project manager who would be the person who kept that document and, and kept everything up to date. And now things are so much faster and so much more agile, and work is more distributed. And I think when, when you were kicking off this conversation, you mentioned how a lot of folks don't even realize that they're taking taking on these project manager responsibilities. So um, even in getting an email and having here are four next steps, that is project management. And that's saying, okay, who's responsible for what by when? So I think um, the main things, uh, because there isn't, I, I'm sure there are courses and other things, but uh, with my career and with the folks that I've um, hired or um, look for, I think there isn't a clear path. So it's not just like I go to project management school and I learn how to do scrum and all these different things. So I think there are lots of different avenues of how people land in this type of work. And um, personally, the way that I landed, I started working as a creative and then realized that no one could organize things for my own creative purposes. And I was doing all the production and producing and uh, the creative. So I was like, huh, like maybe I should just lean into doing the production work. So, um, so my path wasn't by any means traditional. Um, and I would say the folks that I look for, um, the main qualities are really having like big picture, small picture. So being able to see what is the whole ecosystem? What is, if we need to go from A to B, what are five ways we can get there? So just being able to understand how everything works, but then also being very, very mindful of the details. So having all the tactical knowledge of, okay, well, we also have a deadline at this date that's going to cross with that. So having that headspace 
to be able to really see the big picture, but also all of the little tiny things that, that bring you to those. So um, I think that's a really unique skill to have and not, not everyone um, can accomplish that, but that's something that is extremely strong for um, a project manager. Um, another thing I would say, uh, I guess uh, I'm like beating a dead horse when it comes to saying um, with communication is just uh, being an open communicator, um, being able, I call it where uh, kind of being like a chameleon where my style of communication changes depending on who it is that I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to someone who's in engineering, they want to be very succinct and very straightforward. This is the ask. This is, can you do this thing by then? Um, if I'm talking to C-level, I have to adjust and not talk about all the technical details and talk more broadly about this is the high level and the benefits. So I think having varied communication styles, being able to um, read people, and um, and that's more of the the soft skill that goes into this is uh, is communication style and having that diversity. So um, I think some folks call it like pattern matching, where um, you kind of read who it is that you're talking to and then match their style of communication. Um, so I found that that can be effective and uh, being able to identify that. So sometimes even I, I'm hiring right now, so I hope folks aren't um, uh, using my tips against me, but uh, sometimes I'll switch my style within an interview and see if the candidate will also match in turn. So can they identify that I first was super friendly, now I'm very serious, and can they keep up and, um, and match that pace? So yeah, I'd say the two things are really just like high level and, and uh, tactical scope, and then also communication style and being able to read the folks that you're working with. Wow, this is such a fantastic tip about switching your communication style during the interview. <laughs> Um, I, I'm slightly afraid to try it or <laughs> poor candidates will be like, what's going on? But I feel like you're right. Like communication is, uh, is such a, a difficult thing to nail. So to test that you have to come up with all sorts of things to understand who's in front of you and yeah, can they actually read you and can they understand other people that are in front of them, depending on situation. Um, you mentioned a couple of uh, terms and words uh, like <laughs> Agile and Scrum and everything else. And I want to dive deeper into that discussion because um, when we talk about project management, first of all, if we start going into different industries, let's say product design, then it will be Agile and Scrum and there will be product managers. There will be kind of all sorts of other job titles. And uh, then obviously creative industry has account managers and kind of all sorts of things uh, related to that. And then uh, again, every every industry has a different standard, different approaches. If we talk purely about project management approaches and let's say compare agile to everything else and I don't know, what, what do you see currently happening in the industry? Do you have any recommendations in choosing your project management structure and how should someone think if let's say they're joining a new team, they're looking around about the projects that they're doing and like, okay, this is the type of project management that we need. Yeah, I'd say that the most pervasive style that I see, and again, I'm working in tech and in San Francisco, is that I see agile um, pretty often. So um, I would say the two primary ways that I see things are agile and waterfall as um, ways that folks do things. But I have to say within the creative world, agile has a little bit of a negative connotation because um, it's based on more engineering methodology where you have 
two week sprints and it's like, what are we going to do in two weeks? What, how do we know that's successful? Let's go on to the next two weeks. What are our focuses and what are we going to do? So um, sometimes I have to kind of code that a little bit where it is that I, we're doing two week sprints, but in reality, I'm saying, okay, this is the concept phase and it's going to be for two weeks. So um, I think there's also, um, there's some nuance because people have a gut reaction to some of these terms. Um, but I would say the, the benefits of having agile is that you really, you have your entire structure in place, but by breaking these into smaller sprints and smaller chunks, then you're able to digest and pivot quickly. So if something changes, let's say you go from live action to animation after the storyboards are made, um, it gives you, you're not fully locked in or dedicated to a, a certain path. So um, because you're, you're doing these things iteratively, you're able to change things a bit easier. Um, so hence the term agile. <laughs> um, so that's really my preference of how to work. But again, I would say there's um, w in working with creatives and marketing departments, sometimes you have to kind of uh, cover that up a little bit and call it something else. That is interesting in terms of terminology um, and kind of making uh, the setup that works for the team. I would also love to talk on the flip side of that, uh, or, or rather the dark side of Agile, or any work that um, maybe is looking more at the short term and kind of constantly adjust, which is scope creep. So mm -hmm. everyone in the creative yeah. industry experience scope creep. And when you planned one thing, you sat down with a client on day one, and you plan this amazing project and amazing timeline and all the things they'll do by a certain date for a certain budget, and suddenly two weeks in, three weeks in, sprint after sprint, things change. And maybe this is now, maybe you genuinely discover that's not the problem after the, the first couple of sprints and you, you kind of can't pursue it. Um, so how to avoid scope creep when you end up basically wasting all your team's time and money um, and not delivering on what you promise? Yeah, scope creep is a vicious thing. Um, I would say uh, it's pervasive. There's, I don't know a project that I've been on that has not had some scope creep in some capacity. So um, I think, again, uh, like communication, communicate, communicate is what everything comes back to. So I think really, um, whenever there's a change or a decision that's made, there really needs to be a conversation of what the trade-offs are going to be. So um, if it's, okay, we want that, like we're scrapping this concept, we're going completely to, in this other direction. Um, it's like, okay, we can do that, but we're going to increase our cost because we've already spent through um, this amount of our, our resources. And it's also going to change the deadline because now we have to readjust and reconcept. So I think with any of those things, um, it just has to be really laid out what the trade-offs are going to be and very much articulated uh, and agreed upon. Because um, if you're just going with the flow and then you, you catch yourself and you're like, ah, crap, like there's no headcount left. There's no budget. How do I tell the client this? This is uh, like account manager, you go deal with that. Um, that's a really poor situation to be in. So I would say um, the way that I kind of operate is looking for the icebergs. So if you see something, say something kind of approach. So as I see a shift or an ask that's outside of what we've agreed upon, that's the time where I just like wave my little flag and say like, hey, um, are we sure this is, you know, get confirmation and, and uh, of the trade-offs. So 
just FYI, I'm seeing that you've added this deliverable that's not a, within scope. Here's what's going to shift. Are you sure you want to do that? As soon as things crop up is when they should be addressed and don't let it accumulate and, um, and be confident in having those challenging conversations because it's better to get it when you see the iceberg and say like, hey, heads up, let's not go that way um, versus already on impact and then it's it's a much tougher conversation to say you know i lost track of this and i didn't plan for it well um so tough conversations but better to get ahead of it and would it be you who usually has this conversation with the client would you pass it and so who who is in charge because it's a really tough thing to raise and uh, you can potentially mess up your relationship with the client if you suddenly sound too negative or like not um i suppose um creative enough in your approach yeah i think it's a really it's really tricky depending on um the level of ask so i would say with um if deliverables change if it's kind of a lighter uh lift that would be handled by the account manager that's the person who's really the point of contact for the client and uh should have ongoing conversations with them and status updates and things like that but if there's a huge systematic or different approach, um, I think it really comes down. That's when you might bring in a producer to kind of talk through and, and bring um, the facts to support these concepts because uh, nothing is free. Nothing like time is finite. We, can't, we don't have unlimited time. So um, when I think in grounding things in what the reality is, you can come up with different options and say, okay, there's these three ways that we can approach the situation and this we can accomplish what it is that you'd like to do. But we do need you to understand that by changing this, it will impact the project. So um, I, I agree that there could be a perception of like, oh, you're not being creative enough in solving this thing that this uh, you know purple uh, uh, squirrel that I've asked you to create. And purple squirrel is just a term for something that doesn't exist. Um, that has like too many things combined. So I don't know if you all know about that. But anyway, um, sometimes you'll get asked that are that are too ridiculous. But I guess the core of it is really that you're on the same team. So we both want to have, it's not like the agency wants to create a, a crappy experience or a bad product. They want to have an awesome thing that they can put in their reel or in their book to get more work. So just having that shared understanding is like, we're on the same team. We both want this to be super successful. Don't shoot the messenger, but here's the reality of what it is that you're asking. So I think just establishing, again, it, it comes to building a really strong relationship and uh, being honest. So I think um, honesty just goes so far. And um, I know just thinking the, the strongest relationships I have have been when there have been challenging things that have come up or um, like the the prints were off and uh, weren't produced in the right color uh, profile. So that's going to, we actually have to rebook our billboard that we're going to put up, but it always comes down to having more um, upfront, uh, having more time and knowing when the changes are made makes such a big difference rather than uh, when it's, it's far too out. So um, yeah, just nip it as much as you can uh, and bring in a producer or a project manager when it comes to really explaining um, like the logic of why we've come to this decision. This is really great. And I, I love that you mentioned, again, communication and relationship as part of it and building that trust uh, by addressing some challenging things and 
Um, and as they say, like, if, if you are friends with someone, you would say like things honestly, bad and good. Um, so just saying nice things doesn't make you <laughs> friends or uh, doesn't bring you closer together. So definitely sharing the challenging yeah. conversation and having actually conversation, not one way kind of inputs is always good. Uh, and on a flip side, because we discussed like how you don't want to be seen by your client as this horrible person who doesn't want to change anything and just wants to stick to the plan. What about the design teams? Because again, sticking to the plan, sticking to the time, sticking to like, that's not very inspiring for creatives, like, especially when they're so excited about the project and putting them in the box. Do you have any advice on how to keep people inspired um, while still keep them on track and basically not sound like you some sort of horrible person who doesn't care about their great ideas? Yeah, I think the two certain ways. So um, let's say there's production work that's assigned to design and that can be kind of tedious and not super fun. So um, a good way to position it, to motivate them is to give them the context of what the impact is. So saying like, you know, I know we have to create these email banners. However, this is really going to promote this event, which is going to unlock this, which will unlock this. So you're a really key player in um, making this happen and come to life. So giving them the context of what the impact of their work specifically is, I think is really helpful to um, improve uh, improve morale and um, and get them motivated. In other instances, when it comes to uh, coming up with additional ideas where there's already an agreed upon deliverable and they're like, well, wait, what if we do an interactive website that you can have uh, AR and VR and all this other stuff and things like that. I think um, it's really important to have ongoing conversations about um, when the appropriate time is to pitch those ideas. So if something's already approved and greenlit and good to go, then it's not the right time to think of a different approach. But there are times further upstream that maybe uh, when you're going through the creative brief and figuring out the estimate and the scope, that would be an opportunity to say um, when the client comes to you with the why, like, why are we doing this? What are we trying to solve? And the agency comes back saying, this is how you do it. During those conversations of how is really the time to be exploring alternative ways to be creative and to, to make the project uh, what it is. So I think um, just rooting in when the appropriate time is to give that type of feedback or that type of direction. And the last piece I would say is just knowing what motivates people to succeed. So everyone is different. And, um, you know, someone <laughs> you mentioned where someone would send chocolates once a year, things like that. So, um, you know, if there's an engineer I know that is really into a certain type of food and is working late, I might order lunch or dinner for him and say, here, here you go. Like, what do you want? Um, so just ways to, um, uh, others are through recognition. So that could be at a company meeting where you show the work that someone's completed. So I think it's really also very important, um, just with any kind of, um, uh, copywriters, designers, uh, UX developers, everyone to really understand what motivates them to succeed. So then you can really, um, amplify their interest in what they're doing. And then, you know, if they're more excited, then they'll do better work. So um, it, it really helps everything in the, in the end. Uh, I love that you, again, bringing everything back to the human <laughs> level of all we are um, yes. all humans and you should, um, you should look at any problem as a human problem and how can you 
actually solve it through um, yeah, understanding what everyone is motivated by. Um, this is lovely. I suppose on the darker side of things, what any tips when what to do when people do miss the deadline? <laughs> when you did you did order this extra lunch, you did all of your care and empathy, but unfortunately someone is not hitting the deadline. Uh, how would you go about it and how would you encourage any sort of different behavior? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on the severity of what the, the individual has done. If it's compromised the entire project or if it's just, you know, a few internal deadlines, uh, there's really a, a spectrum of how this behavior could manifest. If it's something that you see um, repetitively within a single person, then that might be a uh, time for a larger conversation. So um, I know I don't wanna get like too managerial here talking about PIPs or performance improvement plans, but um, coming up with ways to um, have an understanding of this is your role, you're really not hitting the mark and this is what you need to be doing to, to be successful in this role. And I think, um, from a, again, from a managerial perspective, as a manager, I my role is to make my team successful. It's not to be their friend or things like that. So sometimes the the critical conversations are what will make them uh, more successful and more productive. I would say uh, on like the the darker side of having these critical conversations and um, setting expectations with your team. But um, the other part is uh, there might be something more to it. it. Again, the human side, we're in a really, with the zeitgeist of what's going on, there's a lot of external factors at play right now. Also, um, you know, is there a personal thing that is going on that you may not be aware of? So have they had death in the family or is there an illness or is there some other reason that could be causing this? So I think no matter what, it starts with a conversation where you can say, this is, the, the behavior that we've recognized, like what's going on? Like, uh, and they might have a reason for it, they might not, <laughs> but either way, um, it's opening the door and giving them space to also um, address what it is um, and, and the accountability for why they're um, performing the way they are. So um, again, I think a lot of it comes communication and talking and, um, and seeing what it is that would be holding them up and, um, just to uh, the last point here is that there might even be a technical or a process improvement that could expedite the type of work that they're doing. So they could say like, oh, well, I didn't know that this file was ready and so on and so forth. So then it might also discover some process improvements that um, would help the entire team. So um, no matter what, it's uh, kind of getting down to what's the root of the problem here and uh, what, what can we do to fix that? All very, very much needed pieces of advice. I love that you kind of talked about the very, again, open conversation before accusing anyone of anything, actually sitting down and understanding what's their side, what's going on in their lives, uh, because you never know, you never know, and definitely people will appreciate you having a, again, both-way conversation. Um, if anyone uh, would love to ask their question right now, is a good time to type it in the comment section um, and we will try to answer as many as possible but i would love to go deeper on the personal level of project management and time management and ask you about how do you manage your day and how do you manage your time i i probably do too much in my head which i should get out of but 
Um, as I mentioned at the top of this is that at the beginning of each day, I really go through what it is that I have to do and really prioritize and set my intention of what it is that I'm going to accomplish during the day. The next layer of that is really like, what meetings do I have and what are the obligations that I've committed to throughout this day? So seeing, you know, I have eight meetings today. So um, that's also something to be mindful of. And am I prepared for each of these meetings? Um, I think when it gets to a point where there's too much, where um, if my whole day is in, a, in meetings, then it's not, I'm not able to be successful in my work. So being able to block out certain times for focus is something that I've done. So usually in the afternoon, something like um, 1 to 3 p.m., I might block out a do not schedule a DNS and say um, focus time. So then I can really, uh, everyone has expectations. I'm not available at this time and I'm going to be heads down. So I think uh, a lot of the tactics that I use is really around focus and um, being able to tune out distractions, uh, putting slack on, uh, on snooze <laughs> if I'm working, because every time that something comes in, it's uh, you're losing attention and then you have to change your context. So it might be something like you say, oh, it's just a quick question. Let me just check my uh, my Slack really quick. But the time that's spent going from what it is that you're focusing on to focusing on that and then coming back um, really diminishes um, the ability to uh, to be successful in your role. So I really tried to reduce any of the, the distractions that come out through the day and um, and set those those understandings with my peers so they have the expectation like, OK, Ariel, she's in a focus time. Um, I'll reach out to her after that um, or she'll get back to me after 3 p.m. So um, I think that's really, really important is to really um, structure your time and, and value your time for what it is. Lovely answer. I love all the tips about blocking time for focus. Definitely. Um, I use that approach as well. And I can agree that this is probably the most um, life-changing thing that I've done to my time management. So definitely recommend. We have a uh, question from Ego Death Design. Um, uh, do you have, do you use any traditional project management tools and processes, or do you prefer newer stuff like Scrum and Agile? Yeah, so um, the project management tool, I work at Asana and candidly, it's like no other place because we're using the entire company is adopted. So we're using the tool that we're creating. So I would say this is a very distinct, like a very different job situation than I've had at other places. Um, but I would say in the agency world, um, we had there were a variety of dis different systems that we used. So um, one was actually on Flash, which Flash as of I think 2014 does not exist, but this was uh, 2016 and they were still using a flash-based uh, project management environment. Um, but I would say it's really tricky because with some of the, the planning tools plus having the ledger and the billing and everything else connected, there's not really a one-stop shop that services all those things. So I kind of have a suite of tools that I use. So. Um, with Asana, that's for any kind of project management, uh, timelines and tasks and day-to-day uh, -day things. For budgeting, I actually, I have this worksheet um, that I'm going to share with the course uh, that is an interactive, has all the formulas baked in um, to be able to do budget estimates based on uh, headcount for uh, any kind of communications and things. It would be through decks and that sort of thing. So there's definitely a suite of tools to be able to accomplish these things. Thank you. Uh, we have another question from 
eye days? How do you make sure in team meetings you grasp the real important actions and takeaways with so many meetings? Yeah, you just have to be blunt about it. So within the meeting, say, okay, great. Glad we got to this. Next steps. Uh, Marla, you're doing this. Uh, Liz, you're doing that. I'm doing this. Have I forgotten every, anything? Is there anything else left? Are there any open questions that we need to resolve? So just really addressing it and capturing who's doing what next, um, I think is, is the best way to go about it. And then that way with all the different meetings that are going on, um, you still have captured. And, uh, and I mentioned earlier about having an agenda that's really concise, setting the expectations, making sure that you cover the topics and that folks are prepared. So if they see the agenda and they're like, oh no, I don't, I don't have the information or I haven't pre-read uh, uh, the brief before coming to this meeting, it's um, a great way to also make sure that everyone is prepared before joining. So it's not sprung uh, where it's like, oh yeah, today we're gonna be talking about the social promotions. And it's like, wait, what, where, where are those? How, what are we doing? To be really effective, I think is um, having those agendas with what is the, the goal, the objective, the events that we're going to discuss and then what are the outcomes. Love it. It also feels like there is a, needs to be a lot of preparation before preparation. So basically like before the meeting, you need to plan the meeting. So the, the meeting itself about the planning goes as well as planned, uh, which, uh, which, which seems actually productive, but I, I can imagine it takes a lot of time. Um, any, any tips on how to, like on your side, when you want to make those meetings productive, any way you can prepare for these meetings quicker so you don't spend another hour preparing for another for an hour meeting? Yeah, so um, using a project management tool, so something like Asana, Smartsheets or Monday or Jira, with any of those, you have the exact timeline of what's going on, where you are, what the next steps are. So if I'm having a meeting, I can just go into those tasks and pull the um, the slide uh, file paths. So like here, we're doing a review of round one of the concepting. So here's the, the Figma file. Here's the, um, the deck that's being presented. Um, here's the previous information. So um, it's a really good tool to just be able to quickly grab what it is, um, your, your status and your update. And then you can also see, okay, what's next and what do I need to know? Where are the gaps and um, what questions need to be answered during this time? So I think that's also um, a good uh, way to gauge, like, should we have a meeting? So if you, ha if you have a scheduled meeting and you look at it and it's like, well, I don't have any open questions, you know, let me give that time back. So um, if there's really no agenda and there's nothing that needs to be, that can't be done async where you can't just read an email and give a response, then there's no need for a meeting. So I think that um, on one hand, uh, you can use your project management tools to kind of see and pull things very quickly to put together agendas. But at the same time, it also could um, remove meetings where you're just like, oh, this is our standard uh, stand up, but there's no new news. So let's just can't give you your time back for this week. So I think it works both ways where you save time by doing just a little bit more investigation prior to um, having any kind of meeting. So good that you mentioned the whole idea of, first of all, thinking of the meeting is needed, but also idea of asynchronized communication and meetings, whether it is looking at project management tools or just any shared documents like sometimes just putting stuff in one document uh, doesn't require a meeting. And uh, I was actually listening to a podcast today. Um, I, th I think it was Adam Grant who talked about how 
this idea of collaboration uh, is actually all uh, misunderstood that by having a meeting with lots of people you actually probably won't have a good brainstorm or like that's what people mm -hmm. argue you need to have, to have meetings for and actually giving people time to think on their own and actually having some sort of shared space where they can put their ideas forward will create much better ideas and then you can come together and discuss but uh, just coming uh, together to think on the spot is never a good idea um, mm -hmm. and uh, definitely in a more technical task but as well as in a creative tasks so uh, I love that you pointed out about sharing documents and then thinking do we need a meeting or we can just share an update there in a in a space where everyone knows where to find it we have one more last question that we can squeeze <laughs> and let me pick one rose is asking uh, most project management roles in the creative industry require so much technical experience trying to break down those barriers and showcasing transferable skills is difficult any tips I do see a lot of this where um, folks come from a completely different background and they want to shift into a tech role that would be project management. And I think it's being very explicit, um, kind of the core competencies that we've been talking about, where it's being able to see the whole picture and um, what are the details and being able to uh, do discovery and get the inputs that you need. Um, because doing things like um, some of my background when I uh, worked at Apple, I was an interactive producer. So that's highly technical where you're working on websites, there's code freezes, there's geo distribution and all these other things. I had never done that before, you know, like there's no, uh, there's no class, there's no book on that. But um, I think just having the foundation of I, I'm a fast learner. I can understand what constraints, what are hard deadlines, what are soft deadlines, um, how to implement those and um, be able to prove um, what your track record is. So if you've worked in film, for example, and uh, film produ production is very different than uh, digital marketing production, but the skills are very, uh, very similar. So being able to put it in the right terms. And I would say the other piece that's really important um, with any job, I would just recommend this regardless, is being able to track your performance with metrics. So just saying something like, I optimized a website and uh, produced that. That's not, what does that even mean? You know, like that's just using some buzzwords. But if you say, I optimized a website and um, the click-through rate increased by 33% and the cost per acquisition reduced by 20%. Um, those are things that show that you're being mindful of what the company's objectives are, what the program objectives are, and that you're, um, you're metrics driven, which I think is really important when it comes to um, to making more effective creative. So I know we're, we're getting at time and I could go on with this, but I think the, the biggest thing is if you can really have a track record and show your impact on a company, that means so much more than having specific expertise because um, every company is different in how they're structured and what their technical requirements are. So that, yeah, I think it, it's totally viable and uh, yeah. That was brilliant advice. And talking about learning, I feel like it's nice time <laughs> to, to also mention that Ariel is uh, putting together an incredible course for project managers, uh, mainly for people who already have experience. Um, but I feel like if you do want to dive deep into all the project <laughs> management things, you'll definitely learn a lot from it. Uh, and it is specially created for people in creative fields and agencies and brands uh, who have to deal with 
all sorts of creative scoping. So I am so excited and I generally enjoy putting together this course together. So I can't wait for it to come out uh, later in September and uh, everyone can enjoy learning from Ariel's experience in Asana and Airbnb and Apple and all these great companies. And uh, she will just share all her insights with all of you. But it has been such a pleasure having you. And thanks everyone yeah. for asking the questions. There's really nothing comparable to having the type of experience. And I really, I've distilled a lot of things that I've learned in the past 15 years to really quickly diagnose, solve and communicate. So um, I really hope you guys join me. Um, it's, uh, I wish I had this course to learn from, honestly, like 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, this has uh, been a really great experience and thank you all for joining this chat. Uh, thanks, Ariel, for answering all these questions. And uh, if you would like to follow Ariel, uh, she, she's Ariel Ross uh, on Instagram. And uh, if you would like to hear more conversation with Future Learning Academy, of course, follow us. We try <laughs> to uh, share expertise with all of you. Um, from all the wonderful people that we bring together. So follow Futureline Academy on Instagram and all other platforms. And thanks again for joining. I hope you join uh, Ariel's course uh, very soon. Check it out on our website. It's called Creative Ops, or you can just go to ops.futurelandsandacademy.co.uk. And thanks again. Thanks, lovely people, Robbie, Damien, Rose, and uh, until next time. Bye. Yes. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to join one of these interviews in the future and ask your questions, follow us on Instagram. We are at Future London Academy. We are doing Instagram live chats weekly with some of the most inspiring people in the industry. So prepare your questions and see you there. If you want to learn from these people about how they work with clients and approach projects in more depth, join one of our courses at Future London Academy, taught by the best of the best in the world of design and innovation. And if you're ever in London, come in for a coffee. We love meeting new people. Thanks again, and until next time.